0: Alright, the title of this podcast is Why Not Be an Entrepreneur, but there's a lot more to it than that. The more to it is quality. The more to it is family. The more to it is community. The more to it is Tony. Flip that why not upside down or backwards, whatever you want to say. And get Tony D. Silvestro. You guys, I had to practice his last name a couple of times. He's incredible. He's a soon-to-be, I say, mentor because I'm speaking that into fruition right now. He is local to the Hampton. Roads area, but from New Jersey, is that how you say it? That's a terrible accent. Just go with it. You guys just go with it. Anyway, he is amazing. He's a franchise owner. Like I said, he's into real estate. He is an entrepreneur of over 31 thriving companies. Yes, I said 31 companies. Can you tell why he's going to be my mentor? I am amazed at him. More so importantly, I am grateful for him. His heart for God, his heart for family, his heart for entrepreneurship is intended to serve. It's intended to create global global impact and to do so via business coaching via consulting via mindset via limiting belief barrier breaking right this is so good you guys are going to want to tune in to his story and you're going to want to tune in to the goodness so be ready to take notes this is your god wink the moment that heaven says for such a time as this It's time to own your joy, prioritize your health, discover your wealth, and exude your wholeness. It's time to become truly fit. However, this isn't a fitness podcast, though I'm a retired personal trainer and nutritionist. This isn't business jargon or tips and tricks to landing your successful passion project, though that's totally why I'm a business coach. This isn't a quick fix health detox ploy, though I'm all for therapy and I love Whole Foods. I do have a YOLO side sweet tooth, though. This isn't confusing religious banter, though I'm an ordained minister still figuring out the many things and facets and faces of Jesus. It's really none of that. So I'm wondering if you're wondering, what is this? Well, This is an opportunity to join me alongside other big dreamers, innovative movers, and lifestyle shakers as we explore and share our messy comeback stories and discoveries with each of you fellow passionate seekers. The Fit and Faith movement was birthed through my own trial and error discovery of mind, body, and soul alignment, and to be totally transparent, my own entrepreneurial crash and burn experiences. I've learned firsthand that being fit isn't about our physique at all. It's not about our qualifying abilities or titles. It's not about our potential. It's truly about our God-gifted passions meeting our purpose. You are one step away from achieving your idea, your dream, your calling, your purpose, whatever you want to call it. And I want to be there for the moment that you say yes. In freedom, clarity, and confidence that you are living fully fit, and who, and whose you were made to be. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast with me, Tamara Andress. There is no better time than now to get fit. Hey, 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 welcome to the Fit and Faith podcast. I am so excited to be here with today's guest who's actually like down the street from me right now. I kind of wish we were in the same place so I could hug his neck and you guys could get the, the vibes that we're together. But our hearts are together and that is first and foremost important for this show and for you guys as listeners. So Tony, I am honored to have you here on the show and can't wait to dive into all things you and all the things that you've been doing in the past. So thank you for being here.
1: Awesome! I'm so excited to be here today. You know, it's um, you know you don't get to talk about life and what you're doing every day to other people. So it's uh, great to share and just be part of something bigger.
0: Absolutely, and I think that is true. I mean, we're especially with everything on your rap sheet that you have going on. We don't take that time to just like slow down. And I had the pleasure of, of meeting with Tony in person a couple of weeks ago, and it was nice to just hear his backstory and to see his heart towards everything that he has going on. You guys, I could read his bio, and I might at some point, but I want you to just dive into um, where your favorite passions are and how you've gotten to where you are today. And we can go through all the incredible business angles and businesses that you've started. You guys have over 31 businesses. That's insane. Um, And he's got some incredible local accolades, national accolades, and he's going to be jumping into the coaching and consulting world officially. He's been unofficially doing it forever. Um, But I'm excited to hear about that as well.
1: You know, people is what drives me. So, um, you know, I, um, I've i been in customer service since I was a little kid, started my first business at eight years old, and I um, grew up in a small Jersey town and where, you know, it was four months of hurry and eight months of worry. We had to make our money for four months, and then you worried if you could feed yourself the rest of the winter, you know, but um, that's the mentality I kind of grew up in and had an amazing parents that really taught me values and really the morals that I grew up with you know um, so I was really blessed to have that part of my life and you know growing up in that town where you know you had the hustle and that was all it was so my whole life was just molded with that philosophy so it really gave me a great opportunity but it was really people that really makes the biggest difference in my world I'm in the people business every business we're all in is the people business but so it just takes people a while to realize that.
0: I totally agree. We actually have a person that we're connected on Clubhouse. Tony, I haven't gotten into any of Tony's rooms yet, but we were talking about Clubhouse the first time we were together. And one of the people that I've met, his name is Joshua Lee. He's like a LinkedIn expert, him and his wife, Rachel. And it was really cool to hear. He was saying that there's no longer anything for B2B or C2C or B2C or any of that. It's not business to customers, it's not business to business. It's only h to h which is human to human. And I took it a level deeper because I believe even further that it's heart to heart. And so understanding that if we just know, doesn't matter if you're in a product based industry, if you're in a service based industry, whatever, that it's ultimately just this human to human, heart to heart connection, and and you do that so well, even just from the the why not pizza place, right? Like you're, it's uh-huh. awesome, right? And you guys, this is so good. Why not? Is it's a it's not even a franchise. It's it feels like a franchise because there's so many of them. Tell us a little bit about getting into that. And I know that wasn't your first endeavor, but it's how I found out who you.
1: Right. I grew up on the Jersey Shore, like I said, as a kid. And um, I was pumping gas for a living and and working on some other things. And then the owner of the gas station said, hey, as a pizzeria, the pizza guy quit. So I started making pizza at 15 years old. And at 19, I was partners in a pizzeria and just kept moving from there and at 23 opened my first one in virginia beach virginia and just exploded from there Um, we actually are franchised now and i'm getting ready to open up probably 40 to 100 locations and so Wow, Real busy with i didn't that. know that
0: so, oh man that's yeah. so good that's so insane really cool. i bet you are busy with that you guys and so why not just so you know i actually titled the show today why not be an entrepreneur and why not is tony his name backwards and so i love that and he's even instilled that entrepreneurial spirit into his own children um, which we connected over as well my my little guy who's eight on friday uh, he started a business during covid uh, the beginning of last year and so i know your kids are in that realm as well you want to share a bit about who they are as well
1: yeah, they are. I have three daughters, so it's me not having any hair left, uh, but they all have beautiful hair, <laughs> yes. and, uh, but uh, they're very entrepreneurial spirit. My oldest one has a training company. It's called Employee Launch, and we're getting ready to hopefully take that global, and then um, my middle daughter is sells her own jewelry, started making her own jewelry freshman year in college, and it's just on fire. She's killing it. Her name is Victoria, and her name of her business is called Aratsiv and it's Victoria Backwards. And it was kind of cute. She's like, I'm, she's like, Dad, you know what my name is? I'm like, she's like, what? I'm like, Aratav. I'm like, oh, that's really pretty. She's like, what's wrong with you? It's my name backwards. And just <laughs> a really like, cute you story. Know?
0: Yeah, I should have <laughs>
1: known. I'm like, it's just like, you know, and then my youngest is at Tech and And she's at Virginia Tech, and she's like, Well, what business am I going to own, Dad? So it's really fun. They just have it in them.
0: And it's kind of
1: funny how you grow up in an entrepreneurial spirit. Like my mother had her own business when we were kids, and it was macrame. And my dad was always like, He was a cop, but he was like investing in properties and renting to people. And so I grew up in that spirit. And, you know, I was talking to a doctor the other day, and he has three girls as well. And I'm like, What are your girls doing? And he goes, Oh, they're all going to be doctors. And and I think it's just the environment you grow up in, you know. So right.
0: Yeah, you're so right. My mom was an entrepreneur as well. And my dad was in the military. And so that's what I saw her like all the time. And the biggest thing that I think played into my desire to do it is that she was fully present, but also fully an entrepreneur because it was a a business that she ran out of her house. And so I really always appreciated that. And I knew when I had a family, I wanted to be able to have that leniency um, and that joy, but I don't operate out of my house because I would go bananas. So I do have a space. um, And my kids have have their own thing going on, but I get to be and choose what that looks like. And so I even talk to my kids all the time. Um, mommy doesn't go to work. Mommy goes to create and to help people. And same with my husband, who is an entrepreneur, like he just goes to help people. We're not working per se, um, versus like the nine to five work status that the American dream tries to instill so deeply into our children, giving them this understanding that like, I actually really love what I do. Um, and it's not necessarily that I have to be here, I get to be here. And my son actually was sick last week and so he didn't go to camp and he came into work with me and he'd never actually seen me like all day work and he was like you're laughing a lot you do a lot of really fun things are you famous are you on TV right now (laughs) like just like listening and seeing and and letting them witness and then later in the day he's with somebody in the elevator and he was saying that he could help them and the guy was like well how much would you charge and he's like $100 he's like $100 a day isn't bad and he said no a $100 an hour and the guy was like oh wow (laughs) I love it. My mama taught you well.
1: (laughs) I love it. That's great. great.
0: So good. So you guys, let's hear about like more than just the pizzeria, more than just the starting at a gas station, which my mom also did. You guys have a lot more in common than you probably were able to share over lunch. But he's an award winning entrepreneur, a successful real estate investor, a franchise owner, as we just learned, and an internationally renowned business and leadership trainer. Um, He is a part of a vision, which is the top 125 business owners in our area and also a member of the EO, which I have um, another friend in the EO. So I'll have to ask and see if you guys know each other offline. But he's founded, again, 31 thriving companies, which I think is hard for a lot of people to say. There's generally the fail-forward experiences, and I'm sure you've got plenty of those. But he's also in the residential and commercial construction industry. He's in the SaaS training company, manufacturing, and global coaching and consulting, y'all. It's the real deal. And I know recently you started a podcast. Can we learn from you all the time now Tony?
1: (laughs) I'm working on it, it'll be all Mondays and I'm I'm same day as today but um, we'll start probably next week with my first one and working on my masterminds right now just to be able to really scale the coaching business to help the masses and you know a thing like what you're doing it's amazing and I've never really, I've always coached for free and never did anything and never monetized it but I found that it's really limited my ability to get to the masses and so I'm really looking forward to it, it's going to be exciting but opening businesses is, is Is just um, something for me. I'm I'm fearless. So when I teach entrepreneurship, and there's two things you have to have. You have to be able to take a risk and you have to be able to fail. So, you know, these are the things that I've always been a risk taker my whole life. And and, But as I get older, I'm just a little more calculated risk taker. Uh, So I don't have the losses. And, you know, every entrepreneur, you know, the the best thing I've ever done is lose a business and, and had that pain and had that suffering because it's really made me look at things totally different and made me a better man today um, and a better entrepreneur. But I mean, failure is, is not something I look at. I always look at failure as an opportunity. So a problem is an opportunity. And when I teach my staff or anybody's working for me, I always tell them a problem is an opportunity. Opportunities create solutions and solutions create results or ROI, whatever you want to say. Um, but uh, for me, founding businesses and helping other people get in the business is critical. But what frustrates me and is a pain point for me is watching businesses go out of business. And, you know, you drive down the street and you say, oh, Sally's, Sally's hair salon closed today. Well, nobody realizes that Sally saved $300,000, probably took her 10 years to save that money, and now she's out of business. And all it is is a comment said, oh, Sally's out of business. Well, now she's in debt for the next 10 years and, you know, she can't feed her children or, you know, they're, they're, their families in divorce because of the stress of money and stuff like this. And people don't realize that. So every person that I can help, you know, just to be successful is what drives me every day.
0: Yeah, that's so powerful. This morning they were talking about stats on a clubhouse as I was listening in and knowing that like 92% of entrepreneurs and small businesses close, namely because of finances. And then also in parallel to that 50 to 60% divorce rate, almost all of them are associated to financial struggle. And that's terrible. That's horrible. And so how can you help? Because one of my passions, and we talked about this, is this knowing that There is a mentality towards money that's either been cultivated societally or cultivated in your home front or cultivated even in the church that has plagued, I think, the ability to really thrive in financial like stability. What, what thoughts do you have towards that? And how can you help unlock like that plaguing mindset?
1: So I think money, unfortunately, you know, society today, you know, you watch any TV show, you watch any YouTube or TikTok, it's all about money and people with fancy cars and fancy planes and this Um, money for me in my life has always been something that I never focus on ever. Money is always like a hammer to me. So it's like a tool right so even in my businesses my poor wife but uh, we force budgeted our house and business you know so we always kept all of our money in our businesses so at any given time if she had a thousand dollars in her checking account at home that was a lot but it was always caused a little bit of stress because my wife never had that ability to just go out and spend money or do whatever she wanted because she knew we always had to have that rainy day fund. but I think it's a society today I think children I think they have a false reality of what is really what is money in? what is it what do you need to do with it Because even in business, people are like, you know, are we going to make money? I said, if you work hard and you do the right thing every day and you surround yourself with the right people, the right mentors, the right coaches, your chance of success is way higher than the 92% failure rate. Um, But the biggest thing, the one lesson I would have loved to have had when I was a young entrepreneur was to have had that coach or that mentor when I was a young kid. And I never did. And so today I search out everybody that I can. If you don't think you need a coach, you definitely need a coach. Because you know what they're learning? They're learning wisdom. They're taking from your mistakes. And a piece in my life uh, that I have always told people they're like, What do you regret? And I said, I don't regret anything. Nothing. Not even the worst things that have ever happened to me because I wouldn't be the man I am today without it.
0: Yeah, that's so powerful, and that's why that wisdom piece comes into play because I don't have to make that same mistake if I have you in my corner to be like Tamara, wrong direction, come this way, my little (laughs) sheep. Right? It's it's knowing that um, we are so, as a society, willing to allow other people to shepherd us in different facets of our life. Personal trainers, you're like, oh, you have a personal trainer, that's amazing. A nutritionist, that's awesome. Oh, you have somebody who does your meal prep, that's great. Oh, you have a doctor, cool. Like, there's. All of these other people, your dentist, take care of your teeth. And then what about your dreams, right? Like, what about the vision? How do you cultivate? How does somebody come alongside you in that? And it's something that's been new to me even in the last probably five years specifically. I was an entrepreneur in all of my 20s and didn't have that mentor. And I think it was less about my having access to mentors and more about my ego being in the way of, I don't need to ask for help. I've got this figured out. Those older people don't get the marketing strategy that I'm going to use. They don't understand... Social media, I've got this. And it led to burnout. It led to failure. It led to that learning opportunity, as you like to say it, where I had to let go of it all. And so as you're speaking into that young entrepreneur, like what are the things that you would help them with in that process? Like first and foremost, do you see as a common mistake?
1: Well, I, I want to add to a little bit of what you said, too, because the thing is, I think entrepreneurs, a lot of time when they go into the business, they don't want to talk to other people because they don't want them to think they don't know what they're doing. You know, they want them to think that they're the yeah. expert. That I, I don't want them to think I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. I have to be the best at what I'm doing. And the problem is, yeah. most entrepreneurs go into the business and they're technicians, right? So we all go into the business and we start a business because we think we're the best at that task. But what they don't realize is they actually need to work on working on their business instead of in it, right? You're hearing a lot of people say that, right? So work on it. But what does that mean when you work on your business? You have to develop. You have to systemize your systems first, right? So it took me a long long time is I was, you know, when you're young entrepreneur, you start doing everything yourself. You don't realize that you have to create systems because creating systems takes work. It's a lot of work to know every single aspect of every single thing that you do in your business. So a lot of times what I do with young entrepreneurs, I like make a list of 50 things you did today and I'll start delegating them. Because the delegation is probably the number one thing that every entrepreneur needs to be better at. And when I, have, when I teach uh, entrepreneurs and CEOs, I teach them delegation probably primarily one of the first things I do. Now, if it's a young business, though, I'm really going to dive into your name. What is the name of your business? Give me three pillars of your business that represent your brand. So in my restaurant space, it's family, quality, and community, right? So I've defined three words that actually define my brand. But then I do everything with those three words. It's how I train, how I market, how I delegate, every single process and procedure that I do. So I go through a whole practice on that, and then we really define it. I can't tell you how many companies have changed the name of their brand and then use that name that they wanted originally in something, a product, or something that they were selling. Um, but really, you have to resonate. I call it the billboard test. If you drive past it in 30 seconds, going 60 miles an hour, do you know what your business does?
0: So. Mm, that's a good one. That's really yeah. good. I was actually chatting with my coach um, Zeller at uh, the other day and we were talking about naming and I had named like the top tier funnel piece. And he was like, that's really, I get it. I understand what you're saying. I like the alliteration. I love alliteration. And at the same time, he's like, so you're na- what you're doing is you're telling me how I'm going to get there. But I don't really care how I just want what I'm going to get. I want the outcome. So we should be naming based on like the outcome of something. And then the supporting statement is how you're going to get there. And I was like, that's really interesting. I've never thought about that. So we were specifically talking about that. But if, if you think about it from a conference, for instance, there's Grant Cardone's, um, 10 X <coughs> conference. So I know if I go to this 10 X conference, the hope or the promise is that I'm going to 10 X my business. And so right. then through there, there's the supporting statement of entrepreneurs, founders, all of that, being able to do that through a business lens. Um, But I think from a company perspective, branding alongside those three words is brilliant. It's basically your mission and your vision in a nutshell. It's always at the forefront of what you do. And is it in alignment? If a new door opens, is it in alignment with those three things? Or does it deter you into something new? And then you're segmenting yourself into something else and people don't understand your brand. Um, I'm going to have to play around with that and see what my three words are.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And it's just like if you say the word Apple, if you said the word Apple 25 years ago. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. So if you say the word Apple. Yeah, I got you. If you said the word Apple 20, you're fading in and out. I don't know. So, um. If you say the word Apple 25 years ago, you know, Apple meant like a, this little red thing that was sitting in your your fruit uh, container on your counter. Um, but you say the word Apple today, it means something totally different. I mean, you can go to anybody and say the word Apple, and they know it's probably Apple computer. I, oh, my iPhone, you want my – you know, but it was Macintosh computers when I first grew up as a kid. So that brand, you think about it, you know, but the first – Two to three years are so critical to make sure the brand, your brand, your name can change over time, but your first year to three years has to be really well defined.
0: But I, yeah. I agree. I think branding as a whole is is a process and a journey as well. Um, Apple's done a phenomenal job with it. Chick-fil-A, A, think about all of those things. But even in our local co- community, why not, has done that. Like, so I... <laughs> I was talking just about how what all the community and um, energy you put into that family and community piece of your three words with your business. I'd love for you to share from an entrepreneurial perspective or a business perspective, how important the like you said, we're in the people business, how important that's been in the growth and development of your brand.
1: It's fine. So one of my principles, the way I teach every business, whether I'm in my construction businesses or it doesn't matter manufacturing and everything, we're all in the experience business, right? So even in the servers in my restaurants, I don't have servers. I have experience creators right? So they have to understand what what are we doing? What is the end result? Like you were saying, but I mean, we want to create an experience with every interaction that we have with every pro human being. So if I'm on a construction site and I'm in a construction site and I have somebody say to me, oh, what do you think? I'm like, you know what? It doesn't really matter what I think. Every day when you're having dinner in your house, you're going to have to look at that. It's about your experience. It's about how it feels to you when you sit down every day. Uh, I want to build you the best possible house I can possibly build to your likings right so everything in my life and even as a cook or somebody in a restaurant you know what are you doing with that plate I say to my cooks this is an interesting thing I said who spends more time with a guest the waitress or the cook
0: interesting I've never thought about that so you're obviously you're thinking the waitress but is it
1: it's a cook all day long a cook so. Right, because they're sitting in front of that <laughs> food for that. twenty, thirty minutes. Right, so so when you're when you're training when you're training people wow. in your business, understanding what they are doing every single day, are you actually, you know, going through the process? Uh, you know, when you're making that food, you know, you're going to be with that guest for twenty-five to thirty minutes. The so waitress is with them five minutes. You're with them twenty to thirty minutes, and it's really making sure that these lower-level people that you encourage them and you give them the strength to really take your mission and your vision and execute right how are you how are you explaining that not enough people put enough time into training um and that's my company that we're taking global with my daughter employee launch i built the entire company out of frustration and it's really built to help upper mobility for employees and show them a clear path on how to succeed and how to be successful and you know that's thing. most employees are trained for you know one to 12 weeks And our system trains them for 52 weeks a year, your entire life cycle of being an employee. We're training the whole time because, you know, you open your business and you invest all this money and then they don't spend enough time with the people to execute. Unless you're a solo entrepreneur that owns a single business, then you don't need to train. You're training yourself. But if you have employees, you have to make that investment.
0: I love that so much. And it's so true even as team building perspective, right? Um, and in thinking through the importance for them to understand and be really connected to the mission and the vision and that customer, even though they're not the person on the podcast, but without them, the podcast wouldn't be possible, right? They're doing all of the back end systems. And so it's less about like a tiered experience and more about the valuation that we're all equal and each of our plays are so important for this to be successful. Um, but I am super passionate. In addition to that, is like this extended ed exposure and making sure that even beyond just paying my people well, is giving them the opportunity for extended education, going to conferences that are within the lines of their passion, um, really understanding less that if uh, somebody on my team decided they were going to go and either start a business, which they're all capable of doing, or they wanted to go and support somebody else at a different cost bracket or whatever, that one, they would still be family, and two, that I actually invested in them to grow and I shouldn't take it as an offense that I should take it as a thank you that they were able to now emerge into more Um, and so I think the same goes for the perspective of how you're helping these cooks Um, one day they might go and open a restaurant and you've empowered them to have a different perspective in that process
1: yeah many of them have already so but it's like what you're saying surround yourself with greatness and surround yourself with people that want to Grow and growing their brand and grow in life. Um, I'm always looking for people that want to grow in life and every day be better than they were yesterday. So, um, and then if you have a person that, that isn't confident or doesn't have that will, you know, what are you doing? Are you actually sitting down and communicating with them? Because communication is everything. So many people get lost, you know, because you, all it takes is two minutes to sit down with somebody and actually talk to them and find out why they're frustrated or what they need or what just to have a conversation with that shy person or that young girl that'll come in my business. She won't talk to anybody. She's so shy. They're the first ones I go after. I'm like, all right, let's sit down tell me where you go to school. What do you do? Tell me about your life. What sports have you played? So that's what, you know, it's really having that desire to be part of that. But you know, the biggest thing is that how do you get your management team to have that same culture, right? What culture are you building in your business?
0: I love that. And I think ultimate, It's the culture blended with that confidence, which is what you're doing with that young girl, right? Is like giving her the confidence to be empowered, to stand up at the hostess station, actually make eye contact with people, and see where that one connection could emerge into. Um, I think it's so powerful to be able to look at that. And ultimately, it still comes back to those three words, like you were saying, the family, the community. What's the third word? Quality. Quality. Absolutely.
1: And then another thing
0: you said, oh, go ahead, Tony.
1: Now, when I work with real estate agents, right, so I'm coaching and I love real estate. It's one of my passions. But I talk to a realtor and like, you know, all they're focused on is selling, 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 right? Are they actually focused on the customer's experience and and the customer being in a house two, three years ago? So I had this young uh, real estate. I said, hey, on your home inspection, what do you do for home inspection? He goes, oh, I call this guy and he comes and he does a home inspection. I said, if I'm you, I'd put a pair of overalls in your car. And when the home inspector's under the house, crawl into the house with them. And the homeowner is going to look at you, the person buying the house and be like, what the heck are you doing? And like, I'm going to make sure this house is right for you. I don't trust that guy. I'm doing it for you because I'm your realtor and I want to make sure this is the best house you're going to ever live in.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so good. I used to always get so confused and maybe a little perturbed before I was a little bit more self-confident in my marriage. But my husband, when we were dating, he would go and he would go to these customers' houses for like three hours on a sales call. And I'm like, babe, what do you guys talk about? He's like, well, they feed me dinner. Half the time (laughs) we're sitting there talking about their kids. Like I'm looking around their house and we're talking about their landscaping or their car. And I'm like, that sounds exhausting the outcome, right? And this was back in the day when he worked for somebody else. And since emerging into his own company, Does he have to spend that same amount of time with people? No. But does he choose to? Yes, because it's less about the fact that it's more about the people. And what has transpired with creating those relationships is longevity. And also, he does not pay a dollar for marketing because the people actually know who he is. And in any conversation, because they actually know, and so does Gary, knows the the depth of that human. He's a people connector at the end of the day. And it, it has nothing to do with the finances. It says, oh, this person is into this this car, this type of car. Oh, my gosh, I have to get you in touch with this person. And what happens in the community facet of that goes well beyond what the finances, like you said, not focusing on that, um, but the serving of people. All right, quick pause. I love that you're tuning into this show. Really, your shares, your subscribes and reviews, even your listens mean a ton to me personally and honestly to all of us who put these shows out weekly for your listening pleasure. But are you ready? I think it's time that I put you in the hot seat for a question. If you're resonating with all of these multi-passionate, God-loving success stories, then I bet you have one of your own. Maybe you're even in the midst of that comeback Regardless, there is a deeper message inside of you. I am sure of it. It's your why factor for living life. So here's the question Why not turn that mess into a message by starting a podcast of your very own? It's time for you to amplify. And since I've been podcasting for a couple years now, and I've trained dozens of shows into launch, I've also hit top of the charts across the globe. Why would you want to learn from anybody else? I'm also pretty fun. And so is my team. And we've put together this e-course. And don't stop here. Don't fast forward. Hold up. I know you're thinking e-course, me-course. Everybody's got a course. But this one is truly as good as it gets. I give you behind the scenes, step-by-steps. My team is screen sharing exactly what they do post-processing. There are video modules and a workbook plus we offer direct group coaching with us no videos us live in action let's create that human to human connection so really there's nothing like it i would encourage you to go check out tamraandress.com and check out the course tab once you get there there's even a free mini course option if you want to see the behind the scenes and not really take my word for it so you should take my word for it you're here listening to me right now so i appreciate you we love you we encourage you but girl boy man woman father dog whatever (laughs) it's time for you to amplify all right now let's get back to the show one thing that you said earlier that I think is also super important as people are stepping into that new realm of entrepreneurship or even the scaling, adding products to their line, new services to their line is that question of what, what problem are you solving? You said that so much of what you've curated with your daughter and that business is that you did it all based on frustrations. And the right. reason it will work is because you're not the only person who's been frustrated about that. It's a lot of people. So curious about as people develop and their business, a lot of people have these like grandiose ideas. This is my dream. This is the big idea. And they don't know how to actually serve the customer with it. They just think it's going to massively have global impact out the gate and they're going to make riches. Right. What is that? What does that sound like to you? And how do you help people pull the layers back to actually serve?
1: That's there's, there's, a broad, very broad question. So, as far as you know, multifaceted. So, like when you're building a house, right? So everybody has this grand idea, but can you actually afford it, right? And understanding the process and and that you're going to go through, and like scaling people back, but still getting the same exact result. And then also when when entrepreneurs are starting businesses, they go in they start a business and they don't really know what their customer avatar is like, how are you actually determining what your customer is actually looking for? Just because your grandmother made this great meal when you were a kid, doesn't mean it's going to resonate to everybody. So it's finding out, you know, doing tests and I do a lot of tests in everything I do, whether it be in the building industry or whatever I do, I go to a lot of conventions. I'm always at, at trade shows, always looking for new products, new ways to do things and constantly being innovative. Uh, you always see these businesses that have been in business for 80 years, and it's still the old guy standing behind the counter, whether he's selling nuts and bolts or he's selling windows, or and they've never actually gotten out of their little Mayberry and actually seen what's actually happening in the rest of the world. So education is critically important, and that goes back to mentoring and coaching, right? So if you don't have the time to do that, find somebody that has been out there, bring a sales rep in, let them show you new stuff every single day. Um, it doesn't matter. Like If you're selling cars, it's the same thing. If you're only selling Mustangs your whole life, you don't even know what's out there. Go find the Maserati or the Honda Accord or go work for a different company. And Honda's one of those companies like your husband's company. You know, Honda sell themselves. Well, what did that company do? They really broke down the finite details of that car when they marketed. So they didn't have to have salespeople that were trained to the highest level. They actually did it very ingeniously. Just set that tone in the culture of their brand, so it didn't depend on a salesperson. So when you're when you're trying to find new products or you're trying to be an entrepreneur, really understand your customer avatar, know who your customer is, what are they looking for, what do they want, what do you, what are, what desires do they have, and then you you're really creating a market around that.
0: I think that's critical on so many fronts and I think as you're doing that also making sure that you're staying in alignment with like what that original vision and dream is because sometimes you can go down rabbit holes into the serving of something or someone and then you've lost like your motivation or your ability to do it because you're not connecting with them in the same way um, so being mindful of as you choose as well um, one thing that we talked about when we had our conversation offline was diversification and I think you do this phenomenally not only because of your many passions, um, but also like you were talking about with your wife and her understanding in your relationship that money's in different businesses doing different things. And I remember walking into our financial advisor's office a few years back, and uh, he was like, we wanted to know... With people who are our age, my husband and I were, I think we were like 30 and 34 at the time, we wanted to know what do all these other people who are working traditional jobs from nine to five, what are their 401ks at this point? And what are they on path or trajectory for? It wasn't less about com- comparison and more about how can we just make sure that we're safe and we're good to go and he was so perplexed by the fact that we didn't have any of these things and all of our money was in our businesses and he like you should have a little bit of this you should have a little bit of this so we started our our diversification path then and it's been amazing to see through real estate through stocks through trading through all this different stuff how it's really bolstered not only a Amazing dinner date conversation. (laughs) Also realizing that we're really doing the thing that we spoke to at the beginning. And instead of letting fear dictate how we live our life, we're letting faith dictate how we live our life. Um, So I'm curious for diversification, how you put faith into play in that regard.
1: You know, I, I believe in faith. Faith is everything to me, and and you know, I like I said, my mother gave me a path to believe in who I am every day, and you know, going to Catholic school as a kid and having the nuns beat it into me, I guess, too, helped a little bit. So, um, but um, I, uh, I you know, I believe in faith, and you have to believe in what you do every day. And I think diversification is critical because um, I didn't start out with diversifying. You know, I started out as a kid, but really, my my entrepreneurial shift career really started at 23 other than the other businesses I was involved in younger but the heart and soul of where my money started coming into my life and I started diversifying probably a year into my business and then started buying single family homes and then renting them and but you know as my dad as a young kid I didn't have a fear for that because I watched my dad I cleaned all the apartments I, I did everything but I think diversification is critical you know but I think diversification too soon is, could be detrimental to your business because cash flow is everything, right? You have to make sure that you have enough cash flow, you know. And that's what I was saying with the Internet. You have to be careful what you watch on TV. Hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to have a plane and a Maserati and a Lamborghini. And, and it kind of disturbs me a little bit because you see the failure rate of 92%. And, and these people, it's like a glitch word now that people are saying, I want to be an entrepreneur. Well, do you know what it really means to be an entrepreneur? You're risking everything. You're risking your life. And uh, even these kids that are on the Internet now and they're making so much money, you know, are they what are they doing with that money are they actually investing it and that's the critical part that so diversification is great i think that i've been blessed to be able to diversify um but it has cost me some losses in my life diversifying because i didn't have that coach or mentor to do it you know i was i was emotionally attached to a couple people and put them in business you know and sometimes your emotions can really cause you a lot of pain and and that's not just with business that's with everything in our lives you know and having a strong marriage and a strong partner in your life like you do is critical because I don't think I would be the man I am without the marriage I have and the woman I'm surrounded myself with because I never had to look backwards I never had to worry about my children I never had to worry about that I was always I was just pushing forward every day so it's a part of diversification in my life I had a a wife that could actually take a lot of the struggle and pain out out of business and let me focus on what I did best
0: That's huge. It's so critical. I always am talking about people when they come to me um, and for coaching and, and they don't realize what's about to happen because coaching is less about me giving you like a blueprint of a book. And it's more about us coming into alignment with who you're called to be in that vision, in that dream and making sure that all the other strings attached to that vision, including your mental health, including your physical health, your relational health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, like those things are are most important before you jump into something that's really hard. And entrepreneurship looks really glitzy and glamorous, but there is a struggle there. I'm up so early in the morning. I live a day before most people wake up. I go to bed early. I'm not a night owl. So that's one of the reasons I can do that. But then, you know, I've got, I've got motherhood pulling at both ends. I still want to date my husband. So I still have that. I still have other passions. I want to travel. So how can I curate my entrepreneurial vision in line with the other things that are non negotiables to my life, such as motherhood, such as being a wife, such as traveling and providing culture, not only to myself, but to the people I love. Um, so I'm curious from a personal perspective Tony's got a big dog, a really big dog. Tony's
1: t- a big dog, be quiet.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I'm so curious um, from that perspective, if there, what's like the personal drive. Right. So we've talked a lot about professional. I'm curious what your personal play is like. You have to have something that picks you up every single morning. It's been there since the beginning. What is that for you?
1: I, I don't know. So I'm sorry about my dog. He, he's a massive. So he's very big. So my my personal drive is every day. I just I don't know. I have this crazy energy about me that's just off the hook. Hold on one second, for me.
0: It's totally fine, you guys. Energy is everything, and I think that when I was talking about those other pieces that mental, physical, spiritual health, we have to as an entrepreneur. And as any other hat, I don't care who is listening, if we're not protecting that, our energy is the thing that goes first. Like Overwhelm is real. um, Burnout is real. Mental breakdowns are real. Physical breakdowns are real. And it all really parallels to stress and energy and how we're protecting ourselves in that. So I wanted to speak to that as he was controlling his mastiff. I can't wait to meet him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. So the thing is, for me, it's like, Energy has always been the center of my life. I've been blessed to have, my dad has crazy energy. and But, you know, entrepreneurship is lonely. Like, And that's what people don't realize. They say it's one of the loneliest careers you can ever have. And and what does that mean? What does that mean? So typically in entrepreneurship, you know, you're responsible for your business. You created this thing. And now you're responsible for every aspect of it. So every employee you hire, they're all looking for you. If you have 900 employees, you have 900 situations or problems that are going to come around. But how do you look at that problem every single day? You have to look at that problem as an opportunity. Every single thing that happens in your business is an opportunity for you to make your business better tomorrow. But, you know, energy, without your energy, people feed off your energy. If I walk into one of my businesses today and I have a a scowl on my face, I'm not happy. My entire employment staff will be, oh, my God, what is wrong? Like, what's wrong? Because they're so used to me walking in every day and shaking everybody's hand and talking to them and asking them what they're doing. if I don't stay consistent with that then I can change the whole environment of my business and the whole culture. So it's critically important that you use the right energy. It Listen, If you, I had a boss that would walk in every day and he wouldn't talk to anybody. That energy was perfectly fine because it was the same energy every single day. I didn't mind working for him. That was He was consistent with his temperament, consistent with his attitude, consistent with the look on his face. But you have to know what that is. You have to know that. You know, I grew I up in an era. I grew, an era. You I grew up in an era where you didn't talk to your boss and you didn't question anything. And today, millennials—they question everything. And they're actually my favorite people to manage and mentor because they want to know why. So I'm constantly teaching the what is the why, the why, and everything we do. I have a thousand why's in my business, and if you can identify the thousand why's in your business, then you actually have the opportunity to train, teach, and coach.
0: Mm, gosh, that is so powerful, you guys. I hope people are taking notes. I am. Uh, I think that that is incredible because so many people say that it's just, what's your why? And oh I love gosh. thinking that there's a thousand whys because honestly, there's a thousand things that I do every single day for my business, with my business, with my team, with my family. Like, why? And if we stopped and actually <coughs> analyzed that, whoa, you would probably stop a lot of things <laughs> and maybe hopefully start a lot of things as well, uh, because yeah. it does come come back to like that center, that core piece of who we are. Is it evoking joy? Um, that's a huge part of, of how I coach and and my life on a daily basis is does it evoke joy? And that doesn't mean that things aren't hard. It doesn't mean that some of the like tedious things that we do as entrepreneurs, I'm like, this is so. Oh, great. That's not always the case. But I know that within minutes or within the hour, or at least within the day, there's going to be something that I'm going to have laughter or light or love brought into my life. And I'm going to be back into alignment with that joy factor of my why. Um, so do the hard things, but know the why when you're doing the hard things. I think that's super yeah. critical.
1: Really, I love, really I love entrepreneurship. It's probably the one thing that gets me out of bed every I never day. I've never worked a day in my life. I love what I do. Um, so um, entrepreneur even though it's, it can be a very lonely place because you're responsible for everything but it's, it's filling my dreams every day um, I'm fulfilling everything that I want to do and I'm also what I'm doing is I'm taking that employee and watching that one I may have 10 bad employees but all I care that one employee that becomes an amazing person and has an amazing wife or knows how to run his household finances because of our business and does something different uh, it, it truly is rewarding or the customer that comes in and says you know what this is my home i come here because this is my my place of family this is my family external family and that's really what makes a difference but um the why for me there's a thousand whys i mean i also have uh, a lot that i do and i say how do you do a thousand percent every day and i teach delegation through that process that's my daughter's little that's
0: another dog Oh my goodness!
1: anyway so but my, the, you know, doing a thousand thing and people get overwhelmed and like what you had said is overwhelming, right? It can, entrepreneurship can get overwhelming, right? So how do you do a thousand percent every day? Well, it takes 10 people to do a thousand percent every day because you have to delegate 90% of it to each person, right? 90% to each person. And then you're left with a hundred percent left in your day. But how do you delegate? So when you see like fatigue and stuff like this, I mean, this is what people need. They need to learn how to delegate and, and surround themselves with greatness.
0: That's really good. This morning, I heard an acronym from someone who shared and she was saying um, her dad taught her this and it's the acronym of dad. It was delegate and ditch. And I was like, Hmm. I'm like I see the concept because I definitely can micromanage and I try to release the reins right to the expert that I just hired and pay money to do the thing that they know how to do. But I have a really hard time doing it. But at the exact same time, I'm like, well, what level of ditching do I do? Well, how much am I supposed to tap in? Is it just like a cultural? Is it just relational that I'm supposed to be tapping in and confirming that they're checking their boxes and doing the thing that I've asked? Um, so I really like this perspective of a thousand percent because I. Can can think through the 100% from every single person on the team and how that's going to all parallel together. Um, But what do you think about the ditching part?
1: i don't I don't know that's an interesting thought process i mean is that is she saying you ditch the employer ditching your processes or
0: she said ditch the delegation so once you delegate like you need to out of not out of sight well it sounds like to me out of sight out of mind right that you need to then focus on the thing that you're meant to do while that person who you've delegated it to does the thing that you've ensured they're going to do.
1: Well, there's there's four things the delegation to me. It's uh, obviously first you come up with the task, right? Then you come up with the employee. Then you come up. You have to set excellent expectations. After you have the right employee, you set the expectation, and then the follow through is critical. So the four key points to me are the task, you know, the person, the expectation, and then the follow through. But the expectation piece is a piece that most people miss on, right? Yeah. So You have to set in clear expectations, right? You find that the right the employee that you think you have the right employee, but then you have to make sure that they understand what you actually are delegating and are they the right person for the job and then when you follow through you have to go back and criticize not the employee not the person you delegated to but did i set the right expectation did i find the right employee for this task so yeah. i always reverse engineer everything in delegation because next time i delegate to that employee i'm going to have a clear decision on what tasks i'm giving that employee because i've done an analysis of their ability
0: That's interesting. And I think that self-reflection piece is what we often miss because they didn't do this thing. And it's like, well, you you as a leader, did you provide the pathway for them to do that thing best? Um, And as leading a team, honestly, for the first full time in my life, uh, my husband reminds me often because he's got a full team. And that's what he always says. He's like, well, did you lay the groundwork? Did you lay the groundwork for them to be excellent? Because if you didn't and they missed an expectation, just like in marriage, just like in parenting, Did you tell them the thing that you're expecting of them? You said clean your room. Did you mean by the end of the day? Did you mean clean up every drawer? Did you fold every piece of clothing? Or did you mean just like pick that one thing up off the ground? They don't know. So it's really, it's interesting. Expectations are a huge part, even for ourselves. Like how right. much are we expecting of ourselves on a continual basis? Um, what does a hundred percent look like for you during this season? And I think that's another key component. I'd be curious as you went through all of these different businesses and this immersion of self. Obviously, you had little kids at one point. Um, At another point, you had businesses, new businesses you were starting or other businesses that that were failing in different seasons. Did you expect something different of yourself or was that energy just always like, let's go?
1: I just, I, I never look as a problem is never, I've never had problems. I have opportunities. And so I don't ever ponder on a certain thing or take too much time to reflect on something that didn't work. I'm always reflecting on the other side. How can I make it better? How can I do something different? So, That's, I mean, I'm, I'm just driven that way.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a gift. And I think more people, especially when they get into this, they need that motivator. They need that person that's going to pour into them and wisdom for sure. You guys, he's one of the, my favorite people I've honestly met in 2021 <laughs> um, in this, specifically knowing he's right here in my backyard makes me that much more excited, but I know that he is called to global impact, not just on what he knows, but on his heart. And so, Tony, I want more people to have access to you, to get information from you, to learn from you, to glean from you. Where can they find you um, besides yeah. LinkedIn? I know you're on LinkedIn.
1: I'm definitely on LinkedIn as Tony D. Silvestro, but it's TonyDTalks at gmail.com. TonyDTalks at gmail.com. Yeah.
0: And I have a funny House story, too, real right? quick.
1: And Clubhouse, yeah, for I'm sure. Here. It's Tony D. Okay. So, um, you know, we were talking about children. So I like I set this expectation for my daughter not to lock her door. I'm like, nobody locks our doors in our house. If we ever have a fire, you can't lock your door. So my entrepreneur, the one that spelled her name backwards, was obviously an entrepreneur and thought her way was the only way. So she came home from school after about two weeks of arguing with her to not lock her door, and she no longer had a door for two years. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It was creating a solution, (laughs) right? I had a problem and I found a solution, so... But hey, That's a good well. solution
0: to have. And that's so true, but it's, that's great. I'm going to keep that in mind for my son and daughter. Cause they're, they're on the mer- emergent age of all the things, locking doors. Um, and then she took Tony her
1: closet t- door off and lost that too. So <laughs> she did. Ah,
0: you're, so. Like, you're not, you're good. We did. We did no closet doors for a while when we were little. As well, bead, and I loved like it.
1: the beads all over our doors. Yeah,
0: so. It was so fun. It she's was like so I'll fun. show you the creativity. Exactly. Yeah. She was like, I got you, yeah. dad. Well, yeah. I, love it so much Tony you're such um, just an influence in my life and, and and newly so I'm excited to continue to learn from you you guys if you haven't already go follow Tony we're going to see his podcast immersed here soon so you're going to see it on hear about it on Clubhouse see it on LinkedIn you can email him directly which is an incredible resource thank you and you guys stay in touch if you're local go to why not and hang out with us and uh, hopefully we'll be doing something together again in the future
1: awesome thank you so much it's been great Thanks, Tony. Alrighty.
0: Hey, y'all. It's me again. I hope in today's episode, you sense an ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at Faith underscore podcast or me personally at tamra.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right?